Good morning. We on? Yeah, should be on here, Jimmy. There we go. Um, good morning, folks. Um, I'm going to introduce two legends of the beautiful game, Connor Downey and Harry Thompson, if they'll both come and join me on the platform. Some introductions being done. Uh, good morning, uh, gents. Uh, by way of introduction, uh, I'll start with you, Harry. I'll pass you the mic. And could you tell us a little bit about uh, your, your, your uh, first of all, your way of getting into football, uh, what that was like maybe as a child, and what team did you play for? Did you score any goals? That sort of thing. And I believe the, the AV team have a picture um, which we're going to be able to see behind us. I think we'll have to forget about the legends bit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't quite go that far, I'm afraid. But anyway, yeah, that's me just on the, uh, the top right-hand side, believe it or not, with the long hair and, um, you know, ready for action, as they say. Uh, I got into football probably through um, uh, when I went to uh, the Listen Garvey uh, Secondary School in Lisburn. And um, Wil Wilfie Foster, actually, uh, was, a, was a lovely uh, gentleman who had been a great encouragement to me. And so we often, we often played um, in, the, in the Belfast League. And to be quite honest with you, we won very few games. Uh, you know, the Listener Garvey wasn't a, a huge school in those days, and we were always playing against um, schools like Orangefield and Dunlambert. Those are maybe uh, familiar uh, schools to you. But uh, that was the, the sort of the, the, the beginnings of, of sort of uh, getting into football. And then there's a lovely, lovely wee gentleman. Sadly, he, he, he's passed away. His name was uh, Fred Steadman, Freddie Steadman. And uh, Freddie was, um, he, he walked greyhounds, you know. He walked greyhounds uh, for people locally. And these greyhounds were, were raced. Um, and, but uh, he was also a scout. Freddie was a scout, had a great knowledge of, um, of, of football. Uh, on the players in Lisburn and, and uh, further afield. And um, he, he had come to, uh, to watch me on a number of occasions and, uh, as a young fella. And he, he approached me one time and basically, uh, first of all, was to, if I would go over to Oldham Athletic. Uh, they played at uh, the old Boundary Park uh, Stadium away back in those days in Oldham. Now, Oldham was just a large, uh, a large town. So it was, Connor. Have you ever been in Oldham? No, no. 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 I'm glad you weren't in Oldham. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's certainly a much better a, a better place now. Probably a city now, I suppose. So I spent um, a, a period of time over there uh, as a young man, and uh, and then I came back home again. And then, cut a long story short, it was over at Stoke City uh, for a, a period of time. Now, Stoke wasn't much better uh, it, it, uh, uh, than Oldham. Uh, it was, uh, you probably have heard of the potteries. And uh, they, they, uh, they produced uh, beautiful cups and saucers uh, and, and plates. And I used to bring these home to my mother uh, when I was coming home, when I had the opportunity to, to come home. And then, uh, finally then, Andrew, uh, I, I came home. You're probably bored already. You're, you're, you're ready to go here, Connor. You're ready to go. Um, uh, uh, I came home and then um, 
uh, I was down with, uh, with, with Glenn Torin then for several years. You know Glenn Torin, don't you? Hello. Yeah, Hello. yeah, yes, <laughs> I know. So I was with them for three or four very happy years uh, until I think there's maybe a question coming up that l later on. So, uh, uh, goal scored? Yes. Have I got a, a minute to do this? <laughs> there weren't very many. There weren't very many. But can, can, I, can I just say one thing in, in passing? It's, it's rather humorous, actually. Uh, when I was a young man, we, we played up at, at Coleraine at the showgrounds. You played there many a time. Yep. I know you have. I know you have. Uh, and um, I actually I got a hat trick that day. Anybody heard of a hat trick? <laughs> <laughs> it's three goals, Connor, isn't it? Yeah, three, go three goals. Now, when you hear this here, um, uh, that, that, that evening traveling back in the bus, it was great. You were everybody's friend. We won the game 3-2. You always remember this. I've never forgotten it. Uh, right to this day, but uh, got, got home, uh, went home to mom and dad, had my tea, explained to them all about the game and everything and what had happened. So they, of course, were, as parents, were delighted. But what I used to do on a Saturday night, um, like a lot of young players in Lisburn, you would have gone over and you'd have got, do you remember the Ireland Saturday night? Yeah, some of you still, I don't know whether they still produce that, David, do they? Do they, Connor? I'm not sure. No, I'm not sure, no, I'm not sure either. <laughs> but anyway, I, I looked in the, the Ireland Saturday night uh, for a report of the match, and it was in the Ireland Saturday night, David. And I was looking for my name, of course, and on the three occasions that I had scored this hat trick, and there was another player down against it, and I wasn't even on the team sheet. <laughs> <laughs> and people were coming up to me and saying, were you not playing today? Had you been dropped? You know, and, and, you know the way you have to start explaining in different things. So is that enough? All right. <laughs> uh, Harry. <laughs> Harry, I, I can verify. We were out in Albania a few years ago, and I saw you put a few, uh, few hat-tricks away. So that, that, there's, and up in the rally hall, I've seen you score a few as well. Uh, Connor, um, we've got some match of the day style highlights uh, to view now. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but if you turn, turn around, uh, the AV team are, are going to show a few goals. His was better than mine. So some quality on there, uh, on show there, Connor. Um, tell us a bit about some of the teams you played for, uh, maybe moving back and forth, and how you fell in love with the game, and uh, a little bit about your career. Well, it all started when I, when I was very young, and um, just like our brother was saying, he played football in school, where, where I was from in, the, in West Belfast. The Catholic Christian brothers didn't let us play football. They called it a foreign sport. So. <laughs> So again, growing up in Catholic school, I, I didn't play football in school, but I was always playing football on the street. 
and then obviously for the local team, I played for a local team called Newhill. And so really it was playing on the street and then going over to the local leisure centre to play for the local team was basically where I fell in love with the game. And, and then I got to a certain age where you kind of realise that you're maybe one of the better players with, with people you're playing with. And, and that's where it kind of all started, just, just playing on the street. That's when kids used to play football on the street back then. You're, you were wrecking people's gates and driveways and cars. And, but again, um, that's where I fell in love with it. And I got to a certain age and uh, started going to play in Milk Cups. And then there was interest from cross, sorry, clubs from England. And then that's where the dream kind of develops. You know, when you kind of, right, hold on, I'm getting chances to go to England and trial. And so you, you kind of develop D that. Did the dream. lights of Oldham attract you? Believe Believe it or not, believe it or not, when I um, uh, I went to England when I was younger, um, but it was it was it was Northampton at the time, and I came back very homesick and didn't didn't want to go back to England again, didn't didn't want to play football anymore. But um, and then later on, I actually went and got a job, and decided I've I've had enough of this. I was kind of kind of going over to England at 16 years of age can be a a challenge to a 16 year old, and, a, and especially from from Belfast because not all the English kids are very accepting of you when you when you go over there because they see you as trying to take their place. But I came home and uh, really was fed up with the game and Cliftonville um, gave me a call to work one time and asked me to come and train. And I went back to train with him and tried to fall in love with the game again. And then I went over to Old sorry, Burnley. Burnley, <laughs> brother. And then... But cut a long story short, I was, I was at Burnley when Paul Gascoigne was there. And I was meant to go back to Burnley for pre-season and didn't go back and went to America instead. I don't, my, my father was always raging with that decision. But again, I'm going to cut through this for time's sake. I ended up later at 24, I was meant to go to Oldham, believe it or not. And at the time I was playing for Cliftonville and Oldham wanted me over in trail. There was an ex-Republic of Ireland player who was managing them at the time. They were... I think they were League One, but uh, I, I was 24 years of age at the time, and I wouldn't go to any club at, on trial 24 years of age because I had five full-time contracts back here, north and south, and I was talking to a couple of clubs, one club in Scotland, and I was talking to two clubs in England. Oldham was one of them, but Oldham wanted me over in trial, but I wouldn't go because I said, look, I'm 24 years of age. If you They'd watch me 12 games in the Irish League. I mean, if you like me, you give me a contract. If you don't give me a contract, I'm not risking going over and trial. Um, get into an environment where no one knows me. I mean, I've did all that when I was younger and I'm not doing it again. So they basically had more talks with them. And basically it came to a verbal agreement that when it came to the end, it was coming to the end of my contract that year, that I wouldn't sign so I could literally go to Oldham. But then... The Lord had different plans because I snapped my knee when all that was agreed, and that was it all up in the air. But then that's, sorry, go ahead. Um, Harry, uh, Connor was playing in the, the early 2000s. You were playing in the 1970s. Uh, if you look at the Irish League now, <laughs> do you see any, any major differences, any changes? It's still not a professional league. Um, are you still watching and staying in touch with it all? He did have to mention the 1970s. It's, it sort of gives, uh, gives my age away a wee bit, Connor, <laughs> that you are a lot younger than me. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, playing, playing in the 1970s, the, the, the pitches weren't as good. Uh, the, the footballs weren't as good. Uh, even boots weren't as good. Mm. You got kicked more in the 1970s, and you just had to kick back more <laughs> in the 1970s to, 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 to survive, you know. Um, uh, grounds were different, facilities were different. Um, not that I was on a big wage like you, Connor, but <laughs> wages were different and different things that you got from your club. So there are a lot of, a lot of differences. And players, I think today, you maybe, maybe would agree with this, uh, there's a lot of athleticism with players today in football. They're, they're, they're just big, strong athletes, many of them. And a lot of very good players out there. But the players are way back in the 17s, 70s, you know, you had these, you had these shorts on, you know, and, um, you know, uh, you weren't what you would call a muscly person, but um, you, you could run and you were fit uh, that way, Connor, you know. You don't remember the 70s, sure you don't. He doesn't remember them. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, there's a famous uh, football man, and a Scottish player and, and manager, Bill Shankly. Bill Shankly once said that football isn't a matter of life or death. It's more than that. Um, was there ever a time in your, in your careers that you did believe that, Connor? Yes, um, I've said this in my testimony many times, that um, football started to become my identity. And... I can remember think, you know, like having a, an attitude where if we get beat at the weekend and I maybe didn't get my praise or my name in the paper or these things, I would be really leaning into my teammates and training through the week. I mean, kicking players and getting annoyed and getting, well, maybe being very moody. Mm -hmm. And again, looking back on that, where football actually was dictating at times my if you want to say my personality, get into the new week mm -hmm. because of maybe how the game went or how my performance went at, at Saturday's game prior. But so I don't know, like um, the statement of Bill Shankly, mm -hmm. if, if, if I went that far, but, but I can remember it, 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 did, it did dictate how I kind of conducted myself at times and it wasn't right. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Because football had become an idol. Mm -hmm. It was a god of my life. And then the Lord, I believe when the Lord well, allowed me to get injured, that is when the turning point began to happen. Mm -hmm. um, gentlemen, we're here in, in, in Cousin Church, Belfast, on a Sunday morning. Um, maybe that seems to some folk very far from the conversations we're having around football. Um, what did God and the, and the Bible mean to you in your, your early life, Harry? That's, that's an interesting question because... I was one of these fellas, like, you know, I gave as good as I got, if you know what I mean. Uh, uh, but um, I remember uh, when I went to uh, both to Oldham and to Stoke for that period of time, um, I was, we were brought up uh, at Church of Ireland. And although I had never heard the gospel preached in the Church of Ireland, and a little later on, if I get this opportunity, I'd never heard that the Lord Jesus was coming back again. Um, uh, yet I was brought up in a sense that, you know, you, you go to church on the Sunday. And, um, and I used to do that when I was over at Old Man at Stoke. Mm -hmm. I used to, I remember, I remember the, first, uh, uh, the first morning looking, looking for a church. I, end, I actually ended up in a chapel. So I did. <laughs> And people were very nice and everything, but I suddenly realized, Connor, that this is different from the Church of Ireland, you know. 
<laughs> but anyway, uh, but I, I used to, uh, I, I used to go um, and, and, and try and find a, a place of worship, Andrew, you know. Um, so the, I had that, the, there was a sense of God to answer your question as a young man, but never trusted the Savior uh, as, you know, which, is, which was the important thing. I'd never done that, you know. Um, basically, uh, growing up where I grew up, um, I learned my Catholicism through the schooling system. My parents weren't very religious, and, but I did believe that uh, Jesus is God, and, but I believed through the Catholic way. But I knew, obviously, reading the Bible, obviously, later in my life, that the Jesus I believed in of the Catholic faith was a different Jesus. It wasn't the same Jesus Christ of the Bible. And, but growing up as a child, I did pray to Jesus. I also prayed to Mary. I prayed to dead relatives. I did all these things, not knowing it was wrong. But again, um, when I got to a certain age, just something like Harry said, that it showed that it had no effect on me in any way because when, when I got to a certain age and I, I left school, then... Or, there was no such thing as Jesus anymore to me, you know, so I would have found myself one of those kind of debating Christians or, like, I would have been given an argument that evolution is real and Big Bang is real, and even though I'd never read two lines into it, but again, I was a product of the environment that I live in, and I was believing evolution and Big Bang and didn't know why I was believing it, but again, um, Again, it just showed that even got up, brought up with that religious experience of um, a false Christianity, mm. that it proved because there was no relationship with God. Mm. I had no relationship with him because that's what God is about. He's about a relationship, not a ritual kind of religious approach. So, Harry, just to continue on then, tell us more about how you did come to know of your need for, for salvation. Unfortunately, or fortunately, no matter what way you look at it, I, I was like you, Connor. I, I got banged one night by a guy. Um, they actually called this fellow, you're going to laugh at this, he called this fellow Boucher Briggs. And he was in Lisburn, and, and he was known as, as a hard man. And I was actually playing uh, five-a-side football when I shouldn't have been playing, Connor. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have. It was um, the end of the season, and this was a game over the summer. And I got kicked very severely on, on my left knee. You, you were badly injured at 24, you were saying. I was a bit younger again. Uh, and um, that, that was the beginning, Andrew, of, of um, the, the, the journey or the pathway, the process to coming to faith uh, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, um, uh, you know, I was going down a particular pathway and then all the disappointments of injury and and all that goes with that the discouragement and even depression because the thing that you love as you say it was like it was like a needle in my life as well suddenly it's not there any longer and you start start to search for other things in life don't you and uh, it was just um andrew people that sort of took an interest in me and um a, you know a spiritual interest and being invited to to some meetings did you want to know how i got saved um, I was saved actually um, uh, in the month of May, uh, 1972. That's a long time now, so it is uh, as, a, as a young man. And um, believe it or not, uh, 
I, I'd never heard about the coming of the Lord Jesus. I didn't know that he was coming back again. And uh, in this particular uh, Baptist church in Lurgan, for the very first time, I heard this, uh, this message that the Lord Jesus was coming back again. And that if you weren't ready to meet him, uh, you would be left behind and that you would be lost. And it was as simple as that. And on the third meeting that I went to, Andrew, um, uh, the people who had brought me to that meeting obviously knew that, you know, that I was under conviction of sin, uh, that I wanted to be saved, I needed to be saved, and just very simply speaking to the pastor afterwards, I came to faith and trust in the Lord Jesus for salvation. And, and Connor, if you would, you would share, share similarly how you came to know, know the Lord. Well, it actually started around the time um, where I, I, I got my injury and the whole kind of going back to England again was up in the air and it was, uh, I started getting a lot of thoughts of what's the reason of life and I, I, know, I know we all get them. Why am I here? What's the meaning of life? And why do I exist? And that kind of started me on the road of trying to find out the reason from my existence and that led me down many different roads but led me down roads of like looking into kind of different debates and top level even debates that go on the top levels of academia and um, with different professors of for a creator against a creator and I started to see a, a, like a, a pattern developing that I started to see evidence sorry that the, these kind of men who were for a creator were presenting evidence, and they weren't even Christians, by the way, most of them. And then I, I, I seen another pattern developing with those who were of a persuasion that there is no God, and it was all kind of theories and hypotheses and, the, and these things. That kind of started to really, if you want to say, have an effect on me, where I seen right, I keep looking at this evidence, and I keep seeing there has to be a God. So that led me down the road, right, who is this God? And then I looked into kind of some different beliefs in Buddhism, Hinduism, even things like Taoism. And um, I had the Quran downloaded on my phone, and looking at Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism. It was just looking into everything. And, but I kept, if you want to say, something kept happening with me when I was looking into these things. It, didn't, it couldn't just logically make sense here. It had to also make sense here. So, but it came to the Bible, and it was a Bible that a Christian gave me in a football changing room that I threw on top of a wardrobe. I started reading the New Testament. I'm, I, I never forget, he gave me an NIV New Testament, and I remembered around this time when I was studying into everything, I'm looking into everything. I'll have a look at that Bible. And I started looking at the, the Bible, the God, simply Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I read these things as a Catholic boy growing up in school, and it never had an effect on me this way. Obviously, I'm looking back now, God was dealing with me and revealing himself. But it was like I read them for the first time, and I couldn't believe what I was reading. Now, but I remember going, Connor, right, I went through the whole New Testament in no time. I remember thinking, right, Connor, there's an Old Testament to this book. So I went down to the Faith Mason shop in the city centre there, and I got myself an Old and New Testament study Bible. And again, Again, the things I was finding in the Bible 
couldn't believe that even when you look into the Old Testament, all the prophecies, these different things about one man, I mean, hugging a man before he's born, have people write down the tribe he'd be born out of, things happening in his life, the, the, the exact way he would die, and that just doesn't happen. And you don't find this in any other religious text in the world. That wasn't that, it, that isn't what made me believe, but it pointed me towards this man because I knew it was all about one man. I knew all these prophecies come way back when you look at the whole Old Testament, it was about one man. But it was the character of this man in the New Testament. Why? Because here I could trust. Why? Because he was a perfect picture of love, truth, forgiveness, grace, mercy, compassion. And my heart knew deep down within my conscience, those are upright virtues. This, I can't sidestep this. this. I can trust this man. This man has to be divine. Has to be divine. And that led me, when you read the New Testament, trust me, you will get convicted of sin. And the Lord, through his word, convicted me of my sin. And just as we're making much of this morning, I came to really see the reality of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I repented eight and a half years ago, and I trusted that Christ died in my place on that cross. He took the hell I deserved. And what proved that he was victorious in everything he did regarding the cross? He rose three days later from the dead, proving he was God and showing everything was accepted. And he did it all for me. Mm, mm. I trusted that. I trusted him eight and a half years ago. And everything this book said that would happen in my life is happening in my life. And that's how you truly know if you're saved, because the Bible has to come alive in your heart and in your life. If it doesn't, you're not saved. So the Bible talks about salvation. I know your theme you said this week is security in Christ, but there has to be the proof there that shows you are, you are secure. What? Because the pages of Scripture have to come alive in your life. Wonderful, wonderful. Harry, uh, whenever you became a Christian, um, how did your life change in the everyday, in, in, in the football world, with your friends around you? Did they see a difference in you? And were there anything uh, that particularly was difficult uh, because you were a Christian um, uh, uh, in the football world? Yep. What, what happened, actually, I, um, I was uh, a motor technician. <laughs> I'm using the word technician here because... It's, it's what they use uh, currently. used to be motor mechanics, but uh, it's um, diagnosticians or motor technicians today. And I served my time, of course, in, in the motor trade. And, and I, remember, um, I remember the night that, 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 I, that I became a Christian and that I got saved, uh, just, just like Connor here. Um, I remember, uh, I've never forgotten this, going into work uh, the next day and... Um, uh, just wondering how I was going to tell people about what had, had happened to me and um, the, the change that um, was now going to be brought into my life through the saving grace of the Lord Jesus. So I told one or two people, and of course the usual reactions are, oh, you'll never be able to keep that, Harry. Um, uh, you know, you'll, you'll only stick this for a week or two and then you'll be back to, to your old ways again. So about a number of days later, there, there, was a, there was a boy tackled me again, and I'm afraid I, I let a few wee swear words out. Uh, and um, and uh, I remember after that, I remember just going to uh, a place of quietness, 
Connor sometimes has worked on in our Christian experiences, and just asking the Lord Jesus just to forgive me uh, for that sort of outburst uh, against that person in work. And so I suppose that, that, that transformation, Andrew, and that progress in the Christian life as a young man, uh, it, it has grown to this very day. I'm a lot older. I'm not going to tell you how old I am, uh, Connor, but it has grown to this very day. Uh, and I have found the Lord Jesus to, to be faithful, uh, to be real, to be a real friend in all kinds of, of um, difficult circumstances, uh, in all the disappointments and the vicissitudes of life, as we say, the ups and downs in life, I've found him to be real and to be faithful and to be true to his word, as you were saying. Uh, and um, and uh, so does that sort of answer some of that for you? Yes, for yourself? Say the question again, Bob. Yeah, so, sure. So, whenever you became a Christian, that's a life transformative thing. Uh, we talk about going from death to life. Uh, how did the people around you react to that? Was it difficult being a Christian around your friends? Yes, well, uh, my father right away said you joined a cult. And again, people in the footballing community uh, really, really couldn't believe it um, because especially. I spent nine years at Cliftonville, so a lot of those boys knew me very well. And these guys even seen how I would have dealt with a Christian who played for us. And I really attacked him. So when kind of some of these boys had heard this had happened to me, they would come up to me and they would go they would say things like, You? you? <laughs> and again, but even the Lord can break the neck of a stiff neck donkey. So, but again, again, family just thought it was a cult. Some people in my community would have maybe come up and thought I was a Protestant. And because when you start mentioning words like born again and saved, they just think Ian Paisley. So, and you have to, you have to continually break that down with people in the Catholic community that know that the words of Jesus, they're not Ian Paisley's. And so again, that's how people reacted. But the more and more my mother and father and my family have seen the reality in Christ in me, the changed life, um, my two sisters have now professed salvation. And my mother and fathers came to multiple meetings to hear the gospel. Even at times, my mother even is starting to live her life in certain ways because what I told her from the Bible. And so it's a, it, it can be a slow process, but... God is definitely faithful, and God is moving, and even in my life, even two years later, my wife, Shannon, she gets saved, and when I'm involved with the work in West Belfast, where we have a little fellowship in its infancy, we break bread on a Sunday morning at a local community hotel, we have uh, in a local community centre meetings through the week, so at the start, people in my community thought I was joining a cult, I was becoming a Protestant. And I, we, have, when we, we don't have a regular gospel meeting like most traditional churches do Sunday night because we found that wasn't working. We found that people kept saying, oh, I'll come next week or I'll come next week. So we have not, like, say it's every four to six weeks, we'll hold a gospel meeting. And I were, and I were filling out the hall. So wow. Wow. God, God is moving. 
That, 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 that's powerful. Um, gents, you both uh, mentioned and put an emphasis on, on God's Word, the Bible. Um, during those difficult times, we're thinking about well, what's it like to be secure in Christ. Were there any particular gospel truths, you know, Bible truths that, that helped you in difficult times that you were able to hold on to? Yeah. Uh, my, late, uh, my late father-in-law, you know, uh, Tommy Waterworth, um, uh, was, uh, was a godly man. And um, he, he would have uh, regularly, uh, he would have preached and he would have taught the word uh, in the little gospel hall that he was an elder in, uh, in, in Lisburn, where we're both, uh, Hilary and me are both from. Uh, but um, after, after a number of years after Tommy had, had passed away, uh, my, my late mother-in-law gave me a number of sermons uh, that, that uh, my late father-in-law had preached. I'd heard some of them, but um, uh, Tommy had all these sermons all written out and uh, the, the dates that they had been preached. And um, I, I have them at home. I haven't actually preached or been able to preach any in the Crescent Church or anything like that, but, but I've, always, uh, I've always enjoyed reading them. But there was one particular um, uh, sermon that, that he, he preached and it was about being saved and kept. Being saved and kept. Isn't that true, Connor? And that's what the Lord Jesus uh, certainly, you know, means to not only me, but to Andrew and to Connor here. That's what the Christian life is all about. It's, it's trusting the Savior, trusting Him for salvation and for all that He has done for us on the cross of Calvary. But it's, it's believing that he can keep us, not only save us, but that he can keep us through all the difficulties and the, uh, the disappointments of, of life, you know. Connor? Um, I would maybe like to quote just a wee scripture or two, and I'll keep it quick for the sake of time. Just I was telling Andrew this on the phone yesterday as a younger Christian. I think as young Christians especially, we always face this where we get a little rattle of, can I lose my salvation? I know, like, you, you hear all the time, and tell you, 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 once saved, always saved, once saved, always saved. But there was something that really helped me, in case you may be struggling with this, because there is very, there is men out there who do know the Bible, and who do believe differently. But just let the Bible speak and say what it says. And one thing that helped me when, I'm, when I came to the knowledge of tenses in the Greek language, and there's such thing called a perfect tense, it speaks of a permanent result, right? So there's something that's unchangeable. And there's, these are all over the, uh, the New Testament, and especially in regards to our salvation. So a little one, I'll just read one from 1 John and 2, verse 12. I write unto you, dear children, because your sins are forgiven you, for his name's sake, are forgiven you, are forgiven. That is a perfect tense which means permanent result, which means it cannot be changed. Once your sins are forgiven, it's a permanent, unchangeable fact. Right? So even that word in, in the forgiven, it's even in the Greek, it's got the, the thought of like a separation. It can also be used for the word divorced in the Greek, a separation, and that it took an action, and we spoke of Christ's death and resurrection. But that forgiven is in the perfect tense, which means once God forgives, when are you forgiven? When you believe. It cannot be changed. It cannot be changed. And just another one, just turn over, just First John chapter 4, 
Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God. Born of God. Perfect tense, born. A child when it's born can't be unborn, can it? No, it can't be. It's a perfect tense. Mm. So once you're born of God, you cannot be unborn. And again, I'll just read one more. Just go down to verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we are also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us, and his love is perfected in us. Perfected. Perfect tense. So, again, God dwells in us, and his love is perfected in us. So, these are all over the New Testament. All over it. And my advice, if you are even struggling with this, or maybe you've heard men say you can lose your salvation, the scriptures are very clear. Our salvation is perfect tense. <laughs> it cannot be changed. So we are totally secure in Christ. Christ went right down lower than hell itself. And his death and his judgment he took went right down. And what did he do? He lifted us right up to the heights of heaven. He sits at the right hand at the Father now interceding for us. How much more security do we need? Mm, mm. That's wonderful, Connor. Just to, to, to have a final question, folks, before we close. Um, what would you say, first of all, Harry, uh, to someone today that is not yet a follower of Jesus, uh, maybe finds it difficult to believe in the death, burial, resurrection, to think, how could that really happen? How could this old book have so many truths? Um, what would you say to, to that person this morning? This fella's nearly better than Jackie Fullerton, isn't he? All these questions, isn't he, Connor? <laughs> He's too um, uh, yes, um, the, 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 word of, the Word of God is, is, um, is real, Andrew, and in, in times of, of, um, of difficulty and of disappointments, um, we can find that, that source of, of, of encouragement um, uh, within the Word of God. And, you know, there, there could be someone in here this morning, uh, you know, searching uh, for truth and, and searching for God's salvation, and and perhaps you're you're very very close, maybe to that this morning. You've you've been coming here for maybe a, a period of time, and you've 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 heard good ministry, and you've you've heard good teaching and, and preaching, and you're very close to, uh, you know, to coming to Christ. I suppose, you know, um, when, I, when I got up this morning there, um, I got up early this morning, as I was saying to you, Andrew, just thinking and meditating about one or two things. And I went outside, you know, and although it was bitterly cold, and um, I, I looked around just where, where we live, and I just was so appreciative of, of God's goodness when you look out there. Forget about people and forget about uh, the circumstances of life and just look around you and you see that someone obviously created all of this and um, someone created it out of nothing. Uh, you know, it, it, he just brought it completely and totally into being um, when he spoke the word. And, you know, uh, that's all backed up, of course, in the word of God as well, isn't it? You know, and um, so... It's good to be alive this morning. It's good to have Christ in your heart. Um, it's good to know the Savior. 
Uh, but, you know, our desire this morning in this audience out here, if some young person or older person uh, would come and put their trust in the Lord Jesus, if you're very close to, um, to knowing him this morning, that you'll do that even before you leave this place. Um, uh, there was a, a time um, a guy in work asked me this question. I need to see it. I need to see, I would need to see God. And I, he says, I need evidence. And I said to him, well, I can tell you about two kinds of evidence. But it's really up to you whether you believe. And he says, right, go ahead. And I said, look, so as that video correctly said earlier, I gave him all the historical evidence, the historicity of, about Jesus Christ and the life of Christ. And I said, but I can give you another kind of evidence. Because if you want the historical manuscripts, they're all there. So that's why Jesus Christ can be taught at our top, our top sorry, academic institutions in the world that the Bible is factual history because it has the manuscripts to back it up. But the other kind of evidence I think is even bigger, far more important, and very visual. I say there's millions of people right across this world that their lives have just changed according to this book. And I says, here's the evidence standing in front of you. And you know, in my life, I was going one direction. And I decided to look at Jesus Christ through the word of God. And everything this word says that happens in my heart and in my life, to the very thoughts I think, this word exposes it all. The Bible says we're sinners. Is it wrong? Is it wrong? The Bible says the biggest problem of the world, yes, of course it's our evil, but the world's biggest problem is that it doesn't know God. And you know what? I says, I decided to, to take a step of faith and trust the God of this book, Jesus Christ. And everything that this book said would happen in my life happened. It said that I would, there would be a complete turning from sin. It said that all my old desires would be gone, would, would start to go. And I would have new desires according to the kingdom of God. And you know what? There's been millions of people down through the ages of time, this has happened to you exactly how it's happened to me. As Napoleon says, he was baffled when he thought of all the military uh, might of Rome and the Caesars and even himself. But he said he was completely baffled. And when he thought about the Jewish peasant boy who had no money, who had no military might, but he still continually changes the hearts of minds of men to this day. So, you want evidence? Look at this whole room. There is historical evidence, it is there. But I think the greater evidence is change lives. Gents, it has been such a blessing to hear um, your stories, Harry and, and Connor, this morning, and we pray that, that God would, would use that. Um, I think our, our time is up, um, so I'm going to close in, in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you um, that the truth of your word, the Bible, is that we can uh, move from death to life through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, and what he did. 
God, we thank you for Easter. God, we thank you for the death, burial, and most importantly, resurrection of your son, which can absolutely change our lives forever. God, we thank you that um, once we are saved, no matter what this world throws at us, we can be secure in Christ. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.